title of the message tonight is The First Time for the Last Supper. We're going to be studying the Last Supper Jesus had with the disciples there in Jerusalem. And we're going to start reading in verse number 7. If you're there tonight in your Bible, say amen. The Bible says, Then came the day of unleavened bread. Verse number 7. When the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. So they said to him, where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, behold, when you have entered in the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you will say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There make ready. So they went and found it just as it had, he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour had come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of the betrayer, or my betrayer, is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goes as it is determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And let's pray one more time, we'll get right into the message. God, we want to hear from you tonight. Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, we want fellowship with you. We want closeness with you, intimacy with you. And God, show us if there's anything in our hearts that is hindering that. Show us any sin that is grieving your Holy Spirit. Show us the path of life, God. And I ask that you would just uh, just touch hearts in a way that uh, we will not leave the same. Lord, I need you. I acknowledge my need for you. Lord, I need you to speak. And God, we just ask that you would meet with us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On May 31st, 2019, there was an auction held, an annual auction, uh, and the proceeds from this auction would go to a charity. And this, and what was being auctioned was a lunch with Warren Buffett, the fourth richest man in the world uh, at the time. And the bids, went to a record high, $4.5 million. The winning bid was, and it was given, and it was paid for by a young man, a 28-year-old named Justin Sun, a founder of a cryptocurrency company called Tron. Buffett was said in a statement, um, uh, quoted later, said, everyone who comes to this lunch with me annually, they pay a large sum of money, but they always leave with a good time and feeling like it was money well spent. 
As I thought about this uh, this week, and I thought about, of course, as we're going to unpack this evening, the Last Supper that Jesus held with his disciples, um, can you imagine just the magnitude of having a opportunity to be in the presence of God and 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 have a meal and, and fellowship with him? There's no price that you can really put to it. And as we go through in the heavens this week, you know, that's that's the theme of in the heavens is that we want God to come down and meet with us. We want the presence of God to uh, just fill this room, to fill each heart, to to uh, envelop us and change us to be more like him. And as I uh, studied the Last Supper, read it in all four of the gospel accounts, and uh, there's some things that stood out to me that I think if we were to take note of, if we were to... Uh, be, uh, and decide that we are going to uh, emulate these these factors, then I believe that God will see our hearts and that he would truly rend the heavens and come down and meet with us. I want you to notice with me, first of all, tonight, uh, this Last Supper, the first one, of course, took place during the Passover celebration. Now, this is, of course, significant. The Passover, of course, commemorated the feast, of course, uh, commemorated when, of course, Israel uh, were to exit out of Egypt. And, of course, God, the final uh, judgment or plague that came through uh, through Egypt was that the firstborn of every family would die. But, of course, God made a way for his people to not face the penalty of death and not feel the sting of death. And he told each family there to uh, raise up the lamb, to, to the best lamb that they could raise up and make sure that the lamb had no blemishes. And then when the time was appointed, they would, of course, uh, slaughter that lamb. They would kill that lamb and they would take the blood from that precious lamb and they would put it over the post of their door uh, and their homes. And so when the death angel would come through, that he would pass over their homes, that he would not go in and take the life of the firstborn in each family like he did for the Egyptians. Now, as we come to uh, Luke 22, the, the Lamb of God had made his way into Jerusalem. Pastor talked about it, the triumphal entry. He declared himself as the Messiah, as the long-awaited anointed one. And now the Lamb of God, as John, of course, declared uh, way back a few years before at the Jordan River, when he saw Jesus come on, on the horizon, now the Lamb of God would make his entrance into Jerusalem for the very last sacrifice. You understand that Jesus, he understood that this would be the last time that he would make that trip into Jerusalem. And we know that as he got close to Jerusalem, that he wept over Jerusalem. His, his heart was grieved for his people and how they would soon reject him. And But here the Lamb of God is, is in uh, the vicinity of the temple for the final sacrifice. And, of course, the Passover was a requirement for every Jewish male. They would make that, that trek to Jerusalem to observe the feast. And, 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 of course, when they would get there, they would observe uh, the last of uh, the the. the Feast of unleavened breads. They they would have the time where they would eat the unleavened bread, just like the 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 of course the children of Israel did when they were uh, at Egypt, and and this was important because uh, the unleavened bread, because they, of course they left all their leaven back in Egypt, and it was a picture, of course, of the leaven. Uh, how Jesus said le- later, the a little leaven ruineth the whole loaf, and the leaven of the Pharisees and their hypocrisy and 
and their religious spirit. Uh, Jesus was going to, of course, uh, set up the new covenant we're going to talk about in just a moment. And it was going to be a new day where God will dwell uh, with his people and in his people. And this was a, uh, a celebration unlike any other. This Passover would be unique in the scope of history. And so this is important that as we uh, look at, at this, of course, Last Supper, that we understand the context of it. But I want you to see, not only was the Passover celebration significant, but I want you to see the predetermined place. Look at verse number 8. And the Bible says, And he sent Peter and John, and saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. And so they said to him, verse number 9, Where do you want us to prepare? And Jesus gives them instructions. He said, There is a place, uh, go into the city, and you're going to see a man carrying a water jug. Now, I want you to see Jesus, even in his last hours, he is doing miraculous things. For instance, he told Peter and John exactly what they would find when they walked into the city. And this was peculiar, of course, for a few reasons. Number one, it was often the woman's job, or mainly the woman's job, to go with the water pot to get the water. So this was not normal. Uh, so Jesus made it so uh, uh, so obvious for them so they would know who this gentleman would be and so he said when you go into town you will see this gentleman and you will follow him into the house in which he enters and then you will go to the master and and say the master the teacher hath need of a of a space of the furnished room where he can observe the passover with his disciples so this is a predetermined place i was thinking about this this week uh, i was thinking about the upper room I was thinking about how it was furnished. It was prepared for the master. You know what we're doing here this week? We are trying to prepare Westside Christian Fellowship for God to rend the heavens. This is why we're here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. This is why we're here. We're pressing in. We're praying. We're worshiping. We're preaching the work. Because we want God to show up. God is going to come to the house. If I told you uh, tomorrow that, uh, that, that who's your favorite celebrity was going to come to your house, you would make preparation, right? You would be prepared. You would have it furnished. You'd, uh, you'd pull out the nice china. Uh, some of you ladies, you'd, you'd bake your best, you know, baked dish. You'd do whatever you can to prepare for the master or, or for your favorite person's arrival. And I'm saying this is what took place here in this. There was predetermined, there was some preparations that were taking place for Jesus. And, and obviously the, the owner of the home was a believer. He had come to faith in Jesus and, and God had prepared his heart. God had worked in his life so that when the time came, when the need arose, that he'd be willing to give anything for Jesus. And I want you to understand, this is what God is looking for. He is looking for people in whom he has their heart. And I've learned this. If God has my heart, he has everything else. He has my pocketbook. He has my schedule. He has uh, my family. He has everything. And I'm afraid that we haven't seen God move in this generation because we compartmentalize so much. We say, God, you can have this, 
but you can't have my pocketbook. You can't have uh, my poker game. You can't have this or whatever it may be. It, it's 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 so clear today that there are few in the in the church who are completely submitted to God, who are completely uh, uh, humbling themselves before God and say, God, you can have it all. I don't want to see this predetermined place. It was a prepared place. It was furnished. I was studying, and, and I think this is the same upper room that later would be used in the book of Acts, where they would gather just a few days later and wait for the promise of the Spirit. And I was studying that this week, and, and I want you to understand something. God shows up, the Holy Spirit shows up in that upper room, we know. But what was the what was the condition of the room? What was how was that people prepared for God to come down in the form of his uh, of the Holy Spirit? I want you to see it in Acts chapter one. It says that they were in one accord. They were unified seeking God. They were all of one heart. They had all the same desire to see God move, to see uh, the God's glory on the earth. I'm telling you, this is what's missing in the church. We aren't all unified. Now, I'm not speaking to everyone here tonight. I know on a Tuesday night, I'm speaking to people who are hungry for God, who do want to see a move of God. But maybe uh, I'm speaking to some who uh, you you just quite aren't there yet. You just you're here. You know, you just you're, you're kind of maybe going through the motions, but your heart isn't the, the cry of your heart isn't to see God move or revival. You're not willing uh, to to put aside some things in your life so that you can have uh, uh, the the heart of God and and desire to see Him show up and. I want you to understand tonight, we can ask God all we want to rend the heavens, but if we aren't prepared for Him, if we, if our hearts truly aren't seeking Him, He said that you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart, church family. And we won't see Him rend the heavens. Now Jesus, uh, of course, gives them the instructions. They go into town and they find it just as Jesus had told them. And I want you to understand that the preparation had begun long before Jesus entered into Jerusalem. As I mentioned before, he prepared the heart of the owner of the home. Now, this man would have, must have been someone of affluence because he had an upper room, a furnished room, an extra chamber on his home. And just like Joseph of Arimathea, who had, of course, Money and wealth and, and Nicodemus and, and God has sometimes people in his pocket, uh, who, who love him, who have wealth and, and this was the case, but not only did he prepare that owner, but I want you to understand the disciples were a part of that. I was thinking about this. These men, these disciples, these twelve, you know, saved Judas. They were the ones who believed Jesus' message and three years before they had left all they have forsaken all, and they followed Jesus with all their heart. Jesus called them to radical discipleship, and because they were willing to forsake all and follow him, they had a front row to see his miracles. They had a front row to see uh, his majesty and his glory and to see uh, him moving throughout uh, Jerusalem and the regions beyond. And I want you to understand something. Only those who are willing to go deeper with God, who are willing to go, what some will say, the, the extra mile or radical discipleship will see God's moving up front and personal. 
I don't know about you, I don't want to, when I go to a concert, I was thinking about, you know, Grace Fest a few days ago. I had a blast at Grace Fest in Nevada. And, um, and we, um, forgive me, I'm going to confess my sins. So me and my wife, we, uh, we snuck up to the front. <laughs> because, you know, some of the security was people from this church. I said, hey, I'm your pastor. I pulled the pastor card that day. And they kind of let us through. And, <laughs> and so we were right up front, you know, as Maverick City was, was worshiping. And, and it was quite an experience. Well, I don't know about you, but I want to be on the front row of when God rains the heavens. And, and that comes with a price. There's no such thing as cheap discipleship. There's no such thing as being half in and half out and seeing the move of God and seeing the power of God. And these men, they, uh, they were disciples. And I want you to notice, though, that there was even an inner circle within the disciples. Jesus only revealed the, 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 the place to Peter and John. And uh, I think this is for a few reasons. Now, they were in the inner circle. I believe Peter had, uh, he loved the Lord with all his heart, and John too. And I believe he did not want to tell the others because Judas had already planned to betray him. And no doubt if Judas would have gotten word ahead of time that they had this upper room plan, then he probably would have leaked that information to the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and they probably would have spoiled this, this time of fellowship. And so he only told Peter and John, and, and once again, I just want to just want to just reiterate to us. A lot of people say, "I don't ever hear from God. I don't ever, I don't ever hear God speak to me. I don't ever, I don't ever feel His leading. I don't ever hear a still small voice." And it could be because you're far away from Him. So we see a predetermined place, but I want you to see the preparation as well. God prepared those people. He prepared the place. And he revealed details of that place in the upper room. But I want you to see the precious fellowship that's going to follow. The fellowship. I want you to see in verse number 14, the Bible says, When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve disciples or apostles with him. I want you to understand, what God wants more than anything is he wants your heart. He wants my heart. He wants fellowship with us. He wants to be near us. I want you to see what he says to those. In verse 15, he says, Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. His passion was to have this last supper with those who he loved. I don't know about you. I'm always overwhelmed that God would want to be in my presence. That God wants to fellowship with me. He wants to have communion with me. This would be Jesus' last meal this, uh, with his disciples, his last meal on earth. And, and he's clear with this. He says, I am with fervent desire, with a deep uh, desire, with a passionate desire, I want to eat this Passover with you. And he reveals in that statement his love for the disciples. I want to tell somebody tonight, Jesus loves you. I know that seems to be uh, so elementary, but Jesus loves you. 
He wants nothing more than to be close to you. And Jesus, of course, revealed his love by what he said, but also by what he did in that upper room. What else did he do in that upper room? Pastor, well, he, he washed all their feet. Their feet. He modeled humility. He got down with a basin of water and a towel, girded himself, and one by one he washed those men's feet, those dirty, uh, sandal-wearing, crispy, crunchy feet. <laughs> I have some of the ugliest feet. When we got married, you know, I, you know, it's so true that a man, you know, we, we need our help me. We need our wife. When we got married, you know, I hid my feet our whole dating and, and engagement. She never, even at the beach, I had a special pair of shoes that I wear at the beach. So when we got married, um, you know, they were revealed, right? <laughs> and you know, sometimes I, I rub those things against her and then she go, ow! Oh! <laughs> they were bad, but my wife, you know, I remember one time she, she, uh, called herself surprising me because I was so, self-conscious of my feet, I, I said, I would never go get a pedicure, but you guys know I do that now, right? <laughs> I, already, I already revealed that, but but I remember one time she, she she made me an appointment. It was a private appointment, but I remember, I remember like, I'm not going in there. I'm not going in there. I'm not letting anybody touch my feet. And um, But of course, I've matured, and, and I'm happy to tell you that my feet do not feel like they did. They do not feel like sandpaper anymore. But anyhow... I'm sorry, my rabbit trails. But Jesus washed their feet. He showed through his deeds, through his works, that he loved these men. He washed Judas' feet as well. And I want us to understand, when we have a heart like Jesus, those who ridicule us, revile us, who hate us, who malign us, we can still show the love of God towards them. And this is where... We've got to grow as the church today. I was talking to a dear lady who's been coming here a few times, and she was sharing with me on the way over uh, tonight. She was saying, like, I, you know, people in churches before have run me off. They were rude to me. They were mean to me, the, the, even the pastor's wife. And, and she was just being really transparent. And I just shook my head because it's really sad. I've heard that over and over and over again. And I want us to be a people who we show that we are Christ by the way we love each other. And even our enemies, too. This precious fellowship. Jesus said, I, I have fervent desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He washed their feet. He spent that time with them. He loved being with the disciples. And I feel like the theme this week is just loving the presence of Jesus as well. Are we lovers of his presence? Do we love him tonight? I was thinking as Maddie's saying, you know, how great thou art and, and, uh, just, and just, just how much I love him. I remember when I was in seminary, one of the first songs that I learned because I, I had to reprogram myself because I shared with you guys I was in the in the rap scene and the R&B and all the other stuff but I, I began to learn Christian songs and one of the first hymns that I really fell in love with was My Jesus I love thee I know thou art mine and I, I remember just singing that and, and singing that and the richness of that and it says I love thee because thou hast first loved me 
and carried my burden to Calvary Street. And I just, I remember that hymn just would just hit me every time I would read and sing those words. And I'm telling you tonight, what God really is looking for tonight is our hearts. Do we love Him? When God measures a man and a woman, He doesn't measure their stature or their bank account. He ties, uh, He looks at their heart. He looks at their heart for Him. And I'm telling you tonight, what we need today in the church is more people who are radically, passionately in love with Jesus Christ. And that will change everything. I love Him. I love Him. He's He's my Savior. <laughs> I want to love Him more. I, I, when I was standing up here at your vet, you know what I had covered? I had my heart covered because the truth of the matter is I want God to enlarge my heart for Him. I want to be more intimate with Him. I want to love Him like He deserves. That's where I need a touch from God. And that's where some of you tonight need a touch from God. You need to fall in love with Jesus. The one, See, He's here. He's about to suffer for these men and for the sins of the world. And yet He's saying, I just want to be with you one more last time before I suffer. He said, I just want to be in your presence. I just want to eat this meal with you one more time because He loved them. He loves you tonight. Do you love Him? It's a question. Lehman Strauss said this, A wife and a husband may remain faithful. They may give evidence of careful attention in matters pertaining to each other. And yet, there may be a decline in first love. Similarly, in a church, there are members who may be very regular in attendance at services, but no amount of activity, however intense, can compensate for a lack of love. Oh, I think about that church of Laodicea. Oh, they had right doctrine. Oh, they were they were they were straight as a gum barrel. Oh, they had uh, they even contended with people who had false doctrine, false teachers. But Jesus said, I- "I'm outside of the church. I'm standing. I, I want to come in. I want to rim the heavens and come down." But you've left your first love. He said, I'm standing knocking. You know, Jesus can be outside of a church like this one if we aren't in love with Him. We might have all the right standards. We might have all the right doctrine. We might have all the right Christian lingo, but if we aren't in love with Him, church family, He isn't going to in the heavens. He shows up. He inhabits the uh, the true worship of those who love Him. He will show up to that type of a church. And this is what we want to see God do this week. I want you to leave here tonight more in love with Jesus because of who He is, because of what He did. And, and while there in this precious fellowship, He gave a powerful reminder through this communion. I want you to see, He goes on in verse 17, the Bible says, He says, He took the cup and He gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them. He said, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And so Jesus, he gives the the, the first, uh, of course, communion, the first Lord's Supper here. He, he gives this ordinance to be remembered, uh, to, to be a, a point of remembering what Jesus is going to do shortly after there, he's going to suffer. He's going to have his body broken and his blood 
spill out uh, for us. And, and he was saying to those in that room, hey, I want you to remember me when you take this bread and drink this cup. I want you to remember my suffering, uh, what I did to save you. And we're going to have communion every night. And we're going to remember his suffering, what he did to save you and I. He, he told them that I will, the next time that I'll eat with you is in the kingdom of God. You know, there's coming the marriage supper of the Lamb, y'all, where we will dine with him, where we will eat with him. And I'm telling you, that's going to be a glorious occasion. And Jesus is for, he's seeing past the cross to the crown that he will soon receive. He's seeing past his suffering to the glory that will soon come. And I'm telling you, this is what Jesus was doing. He was reminding himself, I believe, and, and, and teaching those in his presence, hey, I'm going to suffer here shortly. I'm going to be broken. I'm going to be bloodied. I'm going to be beyond recognition here in just a few hours. But I want you to understand that I'm going to eat with you one day in the kingdom of God. I'm going to, even though I'm going to die in just a few hours, I'm going to rise again and you're going to be in my presence once again and we're going to have sweet fellowship and communion for all eternity past. I don't know about you, but I get excited when I think about that I get to spend all of eternity with my Lord, with my Savior, with the one who loves me like no other. And he gives this powerful reminder of how salvation will be pur purchased through his body, through his blood, shed for our sin. Oh, I know our Faith is a faith that many reject, and many reject it because they don't quite understand how could the death of one man set every captive free who comes to him in faith. Well, the blood that was shed was the Lamb of God, the perfectly sinless one, the one who was tempted in all points like we are, but he was without sin. I'm telling you, this is why we worship the name of Jesus, because there's no one like him. There's no one equal to him. There's no one worthy like him. I'm telling you tonight, we got to get excited about Jesus again. I don't care. Oh, <laughs> we get excited about people who can slam dunk and you can throw a football 60 yards. You get excited about all kinds of other things that won't mean a squat in eternity. My friends, oh, I want my kids to see me get excited about none other but the name of Jesus. He tells them of the new covenant. You see, there cannot be a new covenant without first the death of the testator. And, and he is going to uh, initiate the new covenant with his death shortly thereafter. And the new covenant, of course, provided salvation not only for the Jews, but for all who will come to Jesus in faith. And that the Holy Spirit will dwell those who believe on him. And, and he ushered them into the church age oh, where we now sit, where Anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and will be indwelled by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you tonight, this is a reminder for you. I want you to understand tonight who you belong to, who you are in Christ. If you have Jesus as your Savior, you are a child of the King. The Holy Spirit of God dwells within you and there is nothing that will win the victory over you. There is nothing that could separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus tonight. 
And I want you to understand that we must live from that position of victory. You must, we, we, don't, we don't fight from a position of maybe we might win. We fight from a position of already won. Precious fellowship. That's all we need. We think we need so many things, but what we all need tonight is more of Him. More of His Holy Spirit. More of His presence in our life. More of His power on our lives. This is the first of the Last Supper, but there's plenty here that we could, we could follow after. We could be a prepared people. This week, I hope that you just prepare your heart. Not just when you come in here, but all throughout the day. You know, we are so, we're so blessed here. You know, I'm thankful to be in a church where we are being challenged to do things that are radical and really not. It's just normal Christianity. Like if you're hungry for God, you, you might just fast. You might just come to the altar. You might just make us, make some changes. But I want us to be a prepared people. See, there were the disciples, they were prepared. The, the, the owner of the home, he was prepared. And God was able to show up in both of those, uh, in their lives. And the, the place was prepared. That upper room was furnished. It, we, they were ready for the master to come. And I want this church to be a place. It is our heart's desire here that this would be a place where God's presence is always welcome. Aren't you thankful when you come in this sanctuary and you feel the presence of God, the power of God? Is there anything like it? I never get tired of it. I get more excited driving over that Goaty Hill than I ever did going to Disneyland or Magic Mountain. I'm telling you, some of y'all got to just... just Let's get our, our, our heads straight. The living God is going to show up here, I believe, this week. And we got to just be prepared for that. And that precious fellowship. If he shows up, we got to do everything in our, in our power to, to soak it in and not let go. We got to make sure we don't grieve his presence in sin and in just being flippant about His presence. We've got to love His presence more than we love our sin. We've got to love uh, His power on our lives more than we, we love the pleasures of this world. We've got to be true, radical disciples. And I'm telling you, His presence will remain on you. Oh, I'm telling you, this is what we need in the church as men and women. We don't need new methods. We don't need more machinery uh, like that quote says. We need more men of God on fire for God who know how to pray, who know how to get a hold of God, who are afraid to worship, who aren't ashamed to worship. Oh my goodness, if there would be a hundred men in this church who weren't afraid of worshiping and knew how to pray and hated sin, oh my goodness, we could turn this world upside down. I believe it with all my heart. Precious fellowship. And that powerful reminder through that communion, he told him, this is my body, this is the blood that I will shed for you, this do in remembrance of me. This do in remembrance of me, remembering him, his suffering, and the redemption that he purchased for us. Tonight, this was the first time for the Last Supper, but I'm telling you, these are all things that we should continue in. 
being prepared, being passionate, remembering his sacrifice and allowing that to to just guide us through this life. I want it to be that when we get to heaven, it'll just be a continuation of how we lived on earth. And that's my prayer. If God's spoken to you in any way, if you have lost that passion, that first love, if you, if your heart isn't prepared for God to, to move in it, if there's things that you know in your life that doesn't glorify Him, I, I would just encourage you to come to the altar tonight and repent and turn from it and ask God to revive you. I heard this quote, evangelist Gypsy Smith, he was a mighty man of God. God used him greatly. He said, the secret of revival is this. Go home, take a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself and say, Lord, revive everything inside of this circle. I'm telling you. You can come to the altar tonight and say, Lord, revive me. Light that fire. I want the first love. I want to go back to to having a passion for you and for fellowship with you. And God will meet that need. I know he will answer that prayer because it's in his will. Bring the babies in. They can they could use a dose of this. You know, they could they, it, it might be good to take them to the altar with you and to teach them. Amen.